really appreciate <clears throat> the uh, expression of thanks that we were able to offer on the front end of the song set for God's good creation, because that is a thing that I, I think we tend to overlook. We take it for granted. Uh, we pay special attention to the uh, uh, stuff that we call God things. Oh, that was a God thing. Oh, that was a God thing. But the burning sun and the shining moon, those are God things. That my eyes blink involuntarily, that uh, uh, I breathe without thinking about it, that my heart continues to beat, that's a God thing. That this world is spinning and on an axis whereby we're not incinerated by the sun and that we actually remain on this globe, that's a God thing. <laughs> and that it became light this morning and will get dark tonight and then light and dark and light and dark and go from season to season to season. Those are all God things that we tend to overlook and take for granted. But he is speaking. His word tells us. He speaks to us by way of his creation. And they're all things for which we are to give thanks. So thanks to Kenny for uh, tucking that in to our song set this morning. Well, our preaching series in the book of Genesis began 84 weeks ago on January 8, 2017. And since then, that series has, uh, uh, we've broken into it with some intermittent series uh, at Easter time, uh, Christmas time, summertime, a big series last summer, 12 weeks in the book of Psalms, little series this summer, four weeks on thanking God together, which is, or rather praying together, which is where we find ourselves this morning. Kenny began the series two weeks ago by explaining in general, the importance of praying together, and then in specific, the importance of repenting together. Last week, Eric Tonis uh, stressed the importance of hungering and thirsting for God together. This morning, we're looking at thanking God together. And then next week, Jackson's going to wrap it all up by examining asking from God together. Now, there's a basic challenge in a series like this, preparing sermons for a series like this, and, uh, and the challenge is this. These topics are pretty big, and the time in which we have to address them is pretty small. So as I was considering that, I remembered Matt Martin. Matt was a ministry intern of mine some years ago. He grew up in England, and he did so under a guy who uh, preached uh, on a regular basis just like this. Uh, the first half of his sermon was always explaining the text or the topic, and the second half of the sermon was always applying the text or the topic. And so that's what I want to try to do today. Uh, uh, I want to take the first part of this talk and see what the Bible has to say about thanking God together, and then move into the second half and uh, consider some ways that we might apply that in our own lives as persons and as our life together as a people. And throughout this morning, what you're going to notice uh, is this. Thanking God together 
requires that we not only keep an eye on today, but an eye on the last day. Thanking God together requires that we keep an eye on today as well as the last day. You'll understand that as we move forward this morning. So what does the Bible have to say about thanking God together? Well, we are not a thankful people (laughs) at all. In fact, we see that from the beginning of the Old Testament where there is no clear record of Adam and Eve ever giving thanks to God for his good gifts, most especially uh, the creation in which they lived and their own lives. And where Isaac and Jacob, at whom we've most recently looked in our series, uh, are best known for contending over rather than thanking God for his good promise. Right down to the beginning of the New Testament where Jesus asks a Samaritan who was healed of leprosy and had returned to give him thanks, he asked, but were there not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? So we are not naturally thankful. We we even have a hard time thanking each other, thanking family members for taking out the trash or emptying the dishwasher, Uh, thanking our employers for our paycheck, getting paid on time, our benefits, medical, dental, retirement, things that we refer to as benefits but really think of as entitlements. They owe it to me for all that I do for them. So if we don't naturally thank each other, why would we thank God. And that's why as we continue looking at the Bible, we see God supernaturally instructing and encouraging us to be thankful, and especially by way of worship. That's largely the pipeline. That's that's the means. So we see this in the Old Testament, where thanksgiving is mandated by God's law, and then expressed all throughout the Psalms, which is Israel's hymn book. So it's, it's part of the warp and woof of their corporate gatherings. We see it exemplified by Levites who were ordered to publicly thank God together on a daily basis at the temple, and then epitomized by all of Israel who thank God together on one great day when David wheeled the ark of God's presence into its permanent home at Jerusalem. In fact, if you look at that in 1 Chronicles 16 and work your way through the front end of that chapter, you'll see all the different ways that they thanked God on that day. It's very impressive. So now we're moving from the Old Testament into the New Testament, and we continue to see God instructing and encouraging his people in thankfulness through worship. But but you've got to notice this difference, and you need to always remember this difference. In the Old Testament, worship is largely, not, not exclusively, but largely limited in its scope to sacred Uh, places and rites and ceremonies. Whereas in the New Testament, worship is 
limitless in its scope since the venue for worship is no longer the temple, but all of life. God's presence on earth is no longer to be found in the holy of holies, but in all of us whom he has made holy by the presence of his Holy Spirit. So worship is to be performed wherever we are in this world and whatever we're doing. Not just when we're gathered like we are right now, but throughout the entire breadth and length of life. Expression of worship from the routine of the family table to the terrible teeth of crisis. Yes, Christians are to be thanking God together even when times are troubling, are difficult. My father was famous in our family for responding to any crisis that we might bring to him with a single question. Um, he had other things to say, but this was always the first thing he had to say. He would ask, if you thank God for it, if you thank God for it, the financial trouble, the academic setback, the relational tension, the surprising diagnosis. Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 20 concludes with these words, giving thanks always and for everything in the name of Jesus Christ. And then three books later in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, we read, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, give thanks to the Lord in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So in both of these passages, we see uh, God clearly stating that his will for us is to thank him at all times, for everything, in every circumstance, and take note, in Jesus Christ. Christ, because it's in Jesus, by way of the cross, that God works out his will for your life, beginning with your salvation from sin, continuing with your uh, sanctification and righteousness, not just in spite of the crazy stuff that happens, but even through the crazy stuff that happens ending with your glorification on the last day in heaven, where according to Revelation 4 and 11 and 19, our eternal occupation will be thanking God together for Jesus, who conquered sin and who reigns forever over a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So, in summary, here's what the Bible says about thanking him together. It says that we don't naturally thank him at all. But we should thank him with our whole person all the time throughout life because of Christ's sacrifice for which we will be thanking him together forever and ever, world without end. Amen. It's a little preview of that day that's expressed for us by the Apostle John. 
find it in Revelation chapter 5. You don't need to turn there, but here, here is what we'll be saying. John says, I heard every, every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, in the sea, all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the land be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Amen. What a day that's going to be. And all of our thanks now points toward all of our thanks then. So how do we grow in the giving of thanks? Well, let's move from explanation now to application. We can grow in thanks to God as persons and, a pe- and, and as a people by, here's the first thing, doggedly keeping our eye on the last day, <laughs> focusing on it. I don't know about you, but that's the day I'm living for because it's a day on which there will be no more crying, no more pain, no more sorrow, suffering, no death. It's the place where all my real treasure lies and where my uh, uh, family will reside forever. About a month ago, I went down to San Marcos to see my uncle for the last time. And I I knew it would be. He was not well. But he was awake and aware and lucid. And so I was able to to go in to him. It was really a a pathetic scene because uh, here he was dying in a home that uh, he and my aunt and one of my cousins had purchased uh, a couple of years ago, not knowing that there was no air conditioning. And it was that 116 degree day. So here's this poor guy. It was, it was a sad scene. But his spirit was sweet, and I told him I loved him. I thanked him for all of his kindnesses to me. And uh, then I turned around and uh, walked out of the room. And as I got to the door, I stopped and I looked back, and I, I regarded his frame there. Uh, my uncle was a good man. He was very generous. And I, in the moment, thought about all of his generosity, all of his goodness, coming to this, <laughs> baking <laughs> at the end of his life, his six-foot-five frame on this bed. Is, is this it? Well, no, it's not it. And my uncle knew it wasn't it. In fact, my, my cousin told me later, all he could say there toward the end was, I just want to see Jesus. I just want to see Jesus because there's more. His eye was fixed on the final day. That's where he was going. And he's enjoying his best days now, better than any uh, day he ever had here on earth. Um, USC sprinter Kendall Ellis created a helpful picture of that laser-like lock on the last day at least for me, at the recent NCAA track and field championship. She was the anchor leg, ran the anchor leg of the 4 by 400 meter relay. You may have seen it. It was a viral video just a few weeks ago. Uh, 
if Jim Clark gets too excited during this story, somebody over there just grab him and hold him in his chair. He, he bleeds uh, cardinal and gold. <clears throat> so, uh, Essie's flagging as uh, they approach the final lap. Uh, they bobbled the baton, uh, finally getting a hold of it. Now they're in fourth place. And here's how the announcers describe it on, on television. I, th- I think it's Jill Montgomery and Dwight Stones. I'm not, I'm not sure, but this is how they called it. So Jill Montgomery says, I just don't know if Purdue is going to get caught. They were in the lead. Dwight Stones, no, there's no way unless she drops the baton. Purdue's going to win this. We certainly didn't see that. Montgomery says, here comes SC. Stones responds, USC is not going to catch Purdue. I don't think. Montgomery, oh my. Stones, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Montgomery, oh. Stones, look what's just happening. USC wins the women's track title in the last meter of the 4 by 4 Now don't look that up right now. But look it up later because you'll see from all appearances, there's no way that Kendall Ellis would win or could win. But having run a few uh, final legs myself, believe it or not, underneath this pillowy frame, (laughs) there was a guy who used to run the final leg of a relay. I can tell you what she was thinking about. I haven't read it and I haven't spoken to her, but I'm 99.9% sure because it's what all sprinters think about as they head home. It's not the competition. It's not the fans in the stands. It's not even the great distance that has to be made up. I'm convinced that what she was focused on was the finish line. Focusing on that one thing no doubt kept Kendall from becoming distracted in her effort to keep going, discouraged by her clearly poor prospects, and defeated before ever crossing the line. And in the same way, focusing on the last day keeps us from becoming distracted by the allurements of this life, discouraged by the darkness of this world and defeated before we've ever crossed the line. So we want to keep the last day in focus. We can also grow in thanks to God as persons and as a people by carefully learning from those who live or have lived lives of thankfulness to the Lord. Mary is a woman who worships at the church in which I served in Indiana. About three years ago, she and her husband, Bruce, went on vacation to Virginia where she contracted a very rare and unusual disease. Uh, Mary was hospitalized. She almost died. And she remained in the hospital for months. When she finally got home, uh, her strength was severely depleted and she arrived without some of her appendages. They had to amputate uh, a number of her fingers. They had to amputate both of her legs at the knee. So uniting her uh, customary grit and a profound reliance upon the Lord 
Mary, over uh, the succeeding months, began to regain her strength. And she survived subsequent medical procedures and, and, and surgeries, and she was fitted with these prosthetic devices. And uh, she, in time, resumed her active life as a wife, as a mother of over six children, as a grandmother of, of even more than that. So her, her recovery was, was truly remarkable. Well, no, knowing this, you'll understand why I was concerned when I began reading a recent Facebook po- uh, post from Mary, but why I rejoiced as I continued reading it. Let me share it with you. Uh, Mary writes, it's been a long week for me. I developed cellulitis, which is a, a bacterial infection in, in the skin. Uh, cellulitis on the bottom of what remains of one of my legs. I've been in a wheelchair since then. I would be lying if I said I wasn't discouraged. It's been hard for me to stay inside and not be able to do the work that needs to be done. I thank the Lord for my daughters who pitched in and always do. Nonetheless, Saturday afternoon I was particularly discouraged. Then I remembered what I already knew in my head but had to remind my heart. And then Mary types out in full three different passages of Scripture, one of which is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's beautiful. Learning from Mary's thanksgiving to God in Christ, even in the teeth of ongoing crisis, can equip and inspire us to do the same. Mignon was a member of Grace uh, for a number of years, a volunteer worker in the office for a number of those years. And uh, as you know, Min Yoon went on to her reward and was memorialized in this room here uh, a, a few weeks ago. And her daughter, Susan Neff, shared a very poignant remembrance uh, about her mom, uh, who lived a life that was filled with challenges, not the least of which was surviving three wars. Let me read to you from Susan's tribute to her mother. My mother's heart was always full of gratitude, and after she died, when cleaning out her things, we found countless pages of notes in her prayer journal with scriptures about always giving thanks despite her circumstances. From 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, here's just a little bit of what she wrote. If I gravitate towards what is negative rather than what's positive, I will pray. I will read God's word faithfully, for it is my source of wisdom and strength. I'll focus on those scriptures that require personal obedience, corrective action, and greater commitment. I will refocus my mind to say, thank you, Lord, for all the blessings that I have, and have an attitude of gratitude. This is how I will live each day. Learning from men's example of thanksgiving to God in Christ, even throughout a life filled with crises, should equip 
and inspire us to do the same. Earlier I mentioned my dad and, and his commitment to giving thanks in all circumstances and as I continue to reflect on his life now, almost two years after his home going, I see with, with greater clarity how his unwavering commitment to live all of life with thanksgiving enabled him to bear up under the weight of any one of a number of things, uh, beginning with his profound hearing loss, uh, a number of career disappointments, my brother's death, my mother's dementia, his own cancer. And that spirit of thanksgiving even strengthened him so that, that near the end of his life, he established a ministry at my mother's care facility. He co-led a cancer support group at his church, and he received visitors while he was on hospice care, offering them words and prayers of hope. He ministered to those who'd come to minister to him. Learning from my dad's example of thanksgiving to God in Christ throughout his life and right up to the very end of his life can equip us and inspire us to do the same. I was thinking earlier this morning as we were uh, singing uh, Blessed Be Your Name of a fellow by the name of Brian Field. Brian was uh, a student of mine when I worked at Taylor University. He lost his dad uh, on... I remember it was December 7th, but I don't remember the year. Uh, just like that. So Brian went home for the funeral, and then he returned. He was uh, our preeminent uh, chapel band leader, and I remember him being up there uh, leading songs for the first time, following his father's death, uh, singing that song, and through tears, you give and take away. You give and take away my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. Brian's example can equip us and inspire us to do the same. Well, we can also grow in thanks to God as persons and as a people by thoughtfully thanking God together. And the operative word there is thoughtfully. For instance... It's not unusual to pray together be, before an event, maybe uh, some kind of performance or a, a ball game or go to a Christian a school, a university, a class. But how often do we ever pray after the event? When it's all over, thanking the Lord for his faithfulness throughout the activity, a faithfulness, faithfulness that matches his provision throughout every activity of our lives. How about thoughtfully thanking the Lord together when we gather as a church? Now, to be sure, we thank God in prayer and in song and in testimony, but do we really consider the solidarity of those acts? I mean, that's what makes this different, what we're doing here, than what you do alone, uh, maybe in the morning in your favorite chair with the Bible open on your lap. We're gathered here together, a place that 
more often than not that we, we can be guilty of tuning into ourselves and failing to really think about all of those who have gathered to worship with us. Consider our praying. The Lord's pattern for prayer in Matthew chapter 6, we call it the Lord's Prayer, is laid out in the first person plural. So praying together means doing so with and for one another. Or think about our singing. Singing in the New Testament is far more often than not a horizontal exercise, a means of encouraging each other in the Lord, as opposed to a vertical exercise whereby we address the Lord. So a song of thanksgiving isn't just my song of thanksgiving, but it's our song of thanksgiving. It's a reminder that we're not alone in this life, that we're traveling this road with others who are moving in the same direction and all headed to the last day, the same goal. How about thoughtfully thanking God together at home before each meal? Well, you may think, I already do. But I have a question for you. Before you eat, do you ask God's blessing on the food? Or do you thank him for the food? If you're asking for his blessing, you don't have to. Because food is a blessing. God made it for our good. He nourishes us by food. He created it to not only do that, but to taste good. These, these are blessings that God already has given to us by way of food. It's our job to thank him for it, to thank him for his provision in the day as well as the day that every meal anticipates, which is the great meal at the end of time. Which brings us to this table, this meal. It's a special meal because it not only points us ahead to paradise, but it points us back. It points us back to the uh, 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 door that was open for us and whereby we get to paradise. A door that was opened at a great price, but a door that was opened nonetheless by Jesus himself with thanksgiving. Luke twenty-two seventeen and 19. So as we approach the table this morning, we want to do so thanking God together for his sacrifice on our behalf that he paid when we were thankless. We were thankless. Learning to thank him still more from the stories of those with whom we approach these elements. One of the things I've enjoyed since coming to Grace is the encouragement at the beginning of every uh, Lord's Table service to keep your head up and look around and think about the lives of those with whom you are eating the bread and drinking of the cup. This isn't your time in your seat with your little piece of bread and in the thing and it's me and God, I'm trying to block all of this stuff out. No, actually we're doing this together as, as a means of remembering the Lord's great sacrifice and 
honoring him for it until the day that he comes as a church. And then finally, focusing on the day for which we were saved and are destined in Christ, a day on which we will be thanking God together without end. Amen and amen. Well, as the servers come forward, I just want to say that if you believe all that, then this table's for you. If you don't believe that, then you should wait to take part until you do believe. And then finally, for those of you who do believe, but you're not living like it, then you need to spend some time with the Lord, confessing your sin to him and then to the one against whom you have sinned, at which time you can approach the table in full forgiveness and faith. May the Lord bless us together as we feast in remembrance on his great sacrifice for us. Amen.